in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show known as Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Project Pat to your DJ Paul, but we didn't create the best rap group to come out of Memphis of all time. We did not, sadly, but we did create the world's greatest paranormal radio commentary show of all time. So that's Dedicated something. to Coast to Coast AM unofficially. Yes. Yes. That's us. <laughs> if you keep on qualifying it, then it's true. <laughs> Just keep adding yes. adjectives to it and, and we'll, we'll get there. Well, Chris, we have another episode today. We are going to be talking about a George Norrie interview with Dr. Mark Hewitt about his theory that the Unabomber was actually behind the Zodiac killings. Really? The Unabomber? So old Teddy Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, behind all of the Zodiac killings in California and the Bay Area. Man, with uh, like the Murdoch murders and stuff like that in the uh, news right now, this is a pretty apt episode for us, actually. I've been feeling very true crimey. I watched the Murdoch murder documentary on Netflix. Actually, I think that's, it was HBO. That, that's Murdoch, Paul, that with a CK actually at the end. All right, South Carolina, we got you. Yeah. So, so we're gonna we're gonna be digging into the history of the Unabomber and why Mark thinks. He was behind the Zodiac killings and also potentially the Tylenol murders. A lot of true crime. Holy cow. Teddy Kaczynski was busy. He was a busy man. Okay. All right. So as a young team has a killing spree in San Francisco, then goes off into the hills of Montana and poisons Tylenol and does the bomb packages. Yes. My Lord. Okay. This is going to be a fun one. We're going to weave a tail. This is going to be intense. <laughs> it's going to be great. But before we get to that, Chris, we got to check in with our good friend Tim Banal at the Coast to Coast AM blog. It's Tim time. So today's article, attorney for psychic accused of fraud offers supernatural defense for client. Man, dude, these psychics are fraudsters. You got to be careful. This is like the third psychic fraud you've given us. There's a lot of these on the Coast blog, and honestly, they're kind of my favorite. They're really okay. fun. And this is one, though, because this is all about the attorney's defense of his client, the psychic, and why she is not a fraud. My goodness, dude. We really are just all in the trial right now, dude. This is this is a true crime episode this of Coast to Coast PM. This is a true crime. <laughs> I watch I one documentary series, and now that's my entire identity. Uh, yeah, now you are a true crimes girl. Yep. All right, so from the article, the attorney for a self-proclaimed psychic who was on trial for fraud offered a rather unorthodox argument in her defense by positing that she cannot be found guilty because she actually lived up to her promise to thwart the evil spirits that plagued her client. I can't wait to figure out what the evidence for that claim is. Oh, it's it's great. It's great. So uh, according to a local media report, always, <laughs> always, the intriguing legal gambit was put forward by Glenn Lansky as part of his opening statement in the case against purported clairvoyant J.C. Wasso. That's a good name, dude. That's a good psychic name. J.C. Wasso giving you the psychic hour. Authorities in Florida contend that the fortune teller Built your client, Lynn Halfon, out of a staggering $1 million. Oh, my Lord. Keep going. Finish the <laughs> sentence. $1 million after convincing her that a family curse was poised to take the life of her mother and only the seasoned sorcerer could prevent it from happening. Dang, our last story, the lady only lost like 14K, dude. $1 million. I was honestly impressed by the level of this grift, dude. That's a giant, that's a milk, dude. It, we we thought. That's a milking. 
we really thought that TikTok influencer had some game. We had no idea how small of a fish she was. Yeah, dude, there's there's game out there. There's serious, serious game out there. Okay, keep going. I got to hear more. This is unbelievable. Inexplicable. The, <laughs> inexplicable, baby. It's inexplicable. At the start of the trial on Tuesday, state prosecutors produced troubling texts wherein the psychic warned Halfon that the darkness is going to possess you and ultimately take away your whole family. Understandably alarmed by Wasso's message, the woman followed her advice and sought out, quote, a rich soulmate in the form of Richard Rappaport, who she married and subsequently convinced under false pretenses to fund her fight against the evil spirits that had taken aim at her. Oh, you got to just keep on going, dude. I'm I'm riveted. Keep going. Well, this is a two-level grift. So yeah. the psychic is grifting a woman to find a rich man to grift into giving her a million dollars. Like this it's is unbelievable. This is a house of cards. This is this is this is incredible. This is like the psychic version of Ocean's Eleven, dude. <laughs> Someone should make a movie about this. This is, is there, great content. Is there going to be a gymnast doing backflips in a vault, dude? I can't wait. Keep going. When it was eventually revealed that the fortune teller and a pair of accomplices had spent the money on all manner of lavish goods, the proverbial house of cards quickly fell apart. <laughs> Just like wearing fur coats <laughs> and stuff like that, blinged out, and the and this woman's just like, wait, are you just like blowing all the money, just saving cash? Well, it's like the uh, I think it was our first psychic where she said that she needed to buy a bunch of gold to like create a, a gold bridge to the afterlife or something. Is a really great explanation of why she was buying so much gold with the guy's I money. I don't remember that story. It was one of the first episodes we did. Yeah. Oh, okay. A gold bridge, man. Yeah. These, was... these psychics, I will say, though, very good swindlers. And creative. Very creative. A lot of yellow energy. Very, a lot. They're burning a ton of yellow candles. That's so very true. many yellow candles. <laughs> In defending Wasso at her trial, Blansky mused that his client never physically coerced Halfon and instead, quote, the threats are supposedly, if you don't pay me, the evil spirits are coming. That's that's good stuff, dude. That's psychic know-how. I'm going to burn that black candle. You're going to start seeing shadow people. <laughs> he went on to posit that the psychic had actually fulfilled her end of the deal because, quote, the evil spirits never came, and that's what she paid for. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, that's actually a pretty good, that's a pretty good defense because this woman can't prove that dark spirits did or did not come after her. Yeah. And I mean, she paid to not be attacked by dark energy and she wasn't. So and she wasn't technically this was an exchange that was fulfilled. I, I don't know. Being having a million dollars stolen from me would definitely have to be some kind of dark energy. Right. And this just feels like such a Florida defense attorney, like defense, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like, well, you paid for it. You got it. To be <laughs> well, fair. He doesn't well, have, he doesn't have a lot to go with. I feel like this guy was sort of drunk when he was in court. That's yeah. the vibe I'm getting. Oh yeah. While it will be up to a jury to decide if the argument holds water, how herself may beg to differ as despite seemingly have the best intentions at heart, she also wound up pleading guilty to fraud charges for lying to Rappaport about why she needed so much money. This resulted in a suspended jail sentence, deportation back to her home country of Israel, and a divorce, which would seem to suggest that those evil spirits weren't entirely eradicated. Boom! That's a way, that's how you have to end that story, Timmy. Good job. Yeah, uh, very sassy end by Timmy. I love yeah. it. It's great writing. So be careful if uh, someone comes to you asking for a million dollars and they are prone to liking psychics or crystals, they may have been grifted. You need to watch out for them. All right. Now for some quick housekeeping, we have an email address. Send your thoughts to c2cpmpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at c2cpmpod or on our subreddit, coast to coast PM, all one word. If you like the show, drop us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and smash that subscribe button we drop every Thursday. And that'll make sure you never miss an episode. And also shout out to our new patron, Carbon. Uh, thank you for supporting us. If you'd like to support the show, keep us on air. You can go to our Patreon link will be in the show notes where you will get early access to episodes. All right, Chris, now 
to the episode, the February 13th, 2023 interview. George Norrie interviews Dr. Mark G. Hewitt about his theory that the Unabomber, a.k.a. Ted Kaczynski, is actually the infamous Zodiac Killer. So, Paul, much like George, I'm developing a a standard question when somebody's a doctor. What is this person <laughs> a doctor of? That is a great question, Chris, and I made sure to pull the information for you. Uh, Mark has a doctorate of business administration. Okay. He also has a master's in divinity, none of which oh. has anything to do with criminology or history or the Zodiac or the Unabomber. Well, yeah. the uh, I'll give him a little credit on the Masters of Divinity. That can be a, a pretty interesting major. So uh, that that actually I'll I'll give him a little couple of points on that. So that was an interesting little throw in. But you definitely you definitely had me with the business administration on that one, <laughs> dude. At first, I was like, wait a minute. I love that none of these people have disciplines other than Dr. Evelyn Paglini and what they're actually talking to us about. And that's the great thing is that they all do have higher education just in a completely unrelated field. Yes. So it's almost like they got to the end of their career, were kind of unfulfilled, and then went down just a different rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, well, business administration is kind point. of boring. You know, I'm retiring. I'm going to write some books about the Zodiac. And so that's what it was. Yeah. That's, that, that was his, he's 55, 60, he can retire. Let me write some books. Yeah, pretty much. I got, a, I got a great theory. I got a great theory about Ted Kaczynski. The world's got to know. Well, and he's actually written three books on this. So he's oh written God. Hunted, The Zodiac Murders, Profiled, The Zodiac Examined, and Exposed, The Zodiac Revealed. All right, let's let let's get and uh, let Dr. Hewitt do his work. All right, so first off, we're going to kick things uh, off with George Norrie giving us an overview of both the Zodiac and the Unabomber as a quick refresher for anyone who doesn't really remember these cases. They've, they've That'll been be a while. It's been a while. That'll be helpful. The Zodiac murdered at least five known victims in the San Francisco Bay Area between December 1968 and October of 69, operating in rural, urban, and suburban settings. He targeted young couples and a lone male cab driver. The Zodiac claimed to have murdered 37 victims. Now let's jump ahead to Theodore Kaczynski, also known as the Unabomber, is an American domestic terrorist and former mathematics professor. Between 1978 and 1995, Kaczynski killed three people, injured 23 others in a nationwide mail bombing campaign against people he believed to be advancing modern technology, and the destruction of the environment. He is in prison now, about to become 81 years old in May. Pretty decent overview of what we're talking about. I had forgotten that the Zodiac claimed that many murders. Yeah, there's actually only five what they call canonical murders, and then two injuries, so two people he didn't actually kill. Yeah, and then he, he claimed to have killed 37 people in his letters to the police. Now, an interesting note about those overviews, Chris, um, you, you wouldn't guess it, but he was actually reading directly from Wikipedia, word for word. Word for word? Word for word. That's kind of hilarious. Yeah, so if you go to Wikipedia, you'll find exactly that, what he just said. It was well, the first, they, have, yeah. they have the little overview section. It was the first two paragraphs of both of the Zodiac and Unabomber right. on Wikipedia, word for word, he read off, which was really funny. We're going to get into some little things about why George Norrie is not great at his job today. This is what's going to be happening. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. This is the uh, why we can't ever be associated with Coast to Coast AM example right yeah. here. This is this is when we get th thrown to court, they're going to be like, and here's our evidence, <laughs> sir. This is legitimate media criticism, Chris. Okay. Okay. All That's right. what we're I engaged like in today. Media criticism. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. All right. So uh, first off, you know, why'd you start studying the Zodiac, Mark? How'd you get into this? Well, it, to me, it's one of the greatest stories I've ever encountered. It, uh, it's a mystery on so many levels. It's not only an unsolved serial killing case, but there are many side issues within the case that uh, are continuing to be debated to this day. It's one thing to not catch a killer and not know who's responsible for this series of events, but it's, it's even more fascinating to discuss a number of cases beforehand, before the canonical five murders and after the canonical five murders, whether or not the Zodiac was involved with those, 
and various aspects of the case within those five. So here's the thing, Paul. I actually found the Zodiac movie to be kind of boring. And I don't <laughs> know if that is a reference on the whole story as as it's told. And I can see where it would be a very interesting story. But like the movie told it badly, very slow pacing. And uh, so maybe I'll be kind of redeemed into finding the Zodiac murders interesting. But I'm also just not like a true crime person. I think that's the thing is that you would need to like true crime to like Zodiac because it is very slow paced. There's actually not a lot to it. He only actually killed five people and then sent a bunch of letters to the police. So I think it's the letters that he was sending that has made it such an infamous case. Uh, and let's, uh, let's get this. It's bad to kill five people. It is bad. It's a very it terrible thing. But overall, honestly, when you look at the grand scheme of serial killers, kind of a low body count. Right. But right. he's actually American serial killers, right? Yeah. He has a lower body count, but he's actually better known than a lot of other serial killers. And it's it's because he was taunting the police. It's because he wore a creepy like bag over his head when he killed some people or tried to kill some people. So there were just some aspects of it that were a little, little extra scary. Grandiose, yeah. right? Now, in terms of the Zodiac Killer, we have never actually found who killed him. Now, a lot of people think, including the book Zodiac, which was made into a movie Zodiac that you were referencing, Chris, that the killer was actually this guy named Arthur Lee Allen. Uh, Mark does not buy that story. He's not into it. Only one person, only one suspect was ever publicly named. His name is Arthur Lee Allen, a former elementary school teacher, convicted sex offender, but he died in 1992. Have you ruled him out, too? I have. Um, it's it's no wonder that the police took a very close look at him because there were a number of eerie coincidences that made him look like a good suspect. The problem is if you dig into each one of those uh, so-called coincidences, you realize that it may be nothing more than a coincidence and that uh, he he was not involved in them. So I have watched a number of detective shows, Paul, mm -hmm. and a detective is not supposed to believe in coincidence. That is true. That is true. And I also find it interesting that he refers to the case against Arthur Lee Allen as as pretty much circumstantial, because I would also argue that his entire case against Ted Kaczynski is also pretty circumstantial. So oh, I don't know. Incredibly circumstantial. But that's a that's a pretty typical in this realm right is yeah. projection and that if it wasn't circumstantial then they would have found the guy and closed the case so right. it's right. one of those things where like they just we don't have you know a smoking gun for any of the people that that anyone's put forward and a kind of interesting note here too chris you may be familiar with the golden state killer case uh, I, yes yes that was like pat oswald's wife right pat oswald's wife had worked on it uh, and she yeah. wrote a book about it um that yeah. she never got to finish sadly before she passed away but the way that they caught him was they took the dna from the scenes and then they were able to run dna analysis on it which they weren't able to do back in the day right and then they ran that against genealogy databases so right. ancestry.com and all that stuff yes uh where people are submitting their dna they submit it in and then get back the family tree of people who he's related to, who have submitted right. their DNA. They were able to track him down from there and ultimately arrest him. Right. They've actually tried to do that with the Zodiac. So the Zodiac was sending letters to the police and they had stamps on those letters that they were hoping had DNA on it. So in 2018, they had sent those stamps out to be tested and hopefully be able to run against a, a DNA database like, like mm -hmm. Ancestry. But ultimately, nothing really came of it. Um, the, the police never said what happened, but most likely there wasn't DNA on it or there wasn't enough DNA on it or had been corrupted in some way. So they, they have tried to solve it in modern day with modern technology and just haven't been successful. DNA can live for decades on like a stamp. Yeah, yeah. That's how they that's how they got the Golden State Killer was DNA from like the 80s that they sequenced in modern day. That's horrifying. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's actually terrifying. Yeah, and that's also there's there's a lot of hazy legality behind it right. in terms of like should you be able as a cop to take DNA from a crime scene and then run it against ancestry databases where people were submitting just to find out like, hey, you know, am I from England really? Or do I have some, you know, whatever 
nationality in me and then use it to to arrest people the courts as far as my understanding looking into it have said that you're only allowed to do this uh if it's like a murder case or like straight up like right yeah Yeah, right right yeah and so it has to be like a really severe case for you to do that so it's not just like i don't know you broke into someone's house and they're running your dna on ancestry.com they're not allowed to do that right right but a serial killer i'm gonna give them a little moral wiggle room right yeah, for, for those severe cases, I'm like, all right, I'm okay with it. I just, I would be a little wary if it expanded out. It would start getting a little uncomfortable. But that's always the problem, right? Yeah. You give them an inch, they take a yard. Yeah, but it's like great that we're we're finding some of these people. Right? Yes, that's it's yes. a good thing, but oh, yeah. But it's, it is a weird moral realm, though, yeah. dude. Yeah, technology's scary, man. Yeah, craziness. Very crazy. Okay, so what we else get- we got? We got a little bit about Zodiac, right? Killed a couple people, never got caught, sent a bunch of codes as well to the police, um, some of which still have not been uh, deciphered, most likely because they're just gibberish. Just, uh, yeah, it's just an insane person yeah. being crazy, right? And the letters are also riddled with spelling errors. Like, if you try to read them, it's this person did not know English, apparently. Um, like, or sorry, was not very literate, I will say, is what it seems. But now, Ted Kaczynski. Sorry, wasn't the guy that they claimed was the Zodiac killer a teacher? Yeah, he was a teacher. So that is an interesting little piece there. But a teacher in like the 70s. Right. But I would still think that if if you had one realm of people yeah. who are literate, it would be teachers. Yeah, you'd hope so. I don't really know. Well, yeah, you're right. You would hope so. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's jump to Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, and they kick things off with like, hey, the Unabomber, he was shipping bombs to like a lot of universities um, and uh, airlines and things like that. How did he actually end up getting caught? Or wasn't it his brother who turned him in? Uh, Close. It was actually his sister-in-law, his brother's wife. David was very uh, resistant to the idea that his brother was the Unabomber, obviously, he didn't want to think that his brother was that person. He he didn't know any violence in his brother, so uh, it took his wife a while to actually convince him to take a close look at it and to take a close look at the Unabomber manifesto and compare it to some of Ted's letters and some of Ted's writings. And it was her persistence that got David, Ted's brother, to consider the idea and actually be willing to go forward and approach attorneys and make contact with the FBI. Would you rat me out to the FBI? I was thinking about this today. Um, and, uh, I don't know, probably if you killed people, I would probably have to go to the FBI. I'm just sorry. I'm just going to state that outright. Definitely for the record, for the record. Well, I, I, and that's the thing too, is I, I think that I probably would initially have pushback. Like, no, Chris wouldn't do this. Right. But then of if course, it was, of yeah, course. I don't think you would kill anyone, but if right. then there was overwhelming evidence that you had, I was, oh, maybe I should tell someone. I don't you think haven't, doing okay. You haven't like kept a stack of letters to compare a potential manifesto to, have you? No. And that's the other thing too, is that I haven't scribbled uh, manic letters to you and sent them through the mail for years. So I just think there's not as much to work with is the right. problem. <laughs> right. That is a problem. That is kind of crazy just to do like they're, they were probably sitting there doing, you know, side by side comparisons. They're like, Oh my God, Ted talked about this, this, this in our letters. And it's directly in the manifesto. That would be insane. Yeah, it, it would be a very scary thing to realize, especially for the wife. Imagine going to your husband and saying, like, hey, so um, I think your brother may be the Unabomber, just as a heads up. Just wanted to get that out there. I have a sneaking suspicion your brother is sending bombs in the mail. Yeah. And that's the thing about Ted, right, is that he was a really smart guy. Like he was the youngest person ever, uh, I think, ad- admitted to Harvard or who became a professor. Um, so he he was a pretty impressive mind, but he was also a total crazy man. But wasn't he made crazy, Paul? We will get to that. We will get okay. to that. Um, his involvement with MK Ultra will be coming up soon. Oh, good. Good. So first off, where is Ted now? Right. Because uh, Mark is actually he's corresponded with Ted a little bit. In December of 2021, he was moved to North Carolina to a uh, health facility. 
Now, obviously, the, um, the, the Department of Corrections is unable to say anything about his health condition. I haven't been able to confirm this, but rumor has it that he expressed through a letter to somebody that he has been um, diagnosed with cancer and told that he has two years or that he had two years to live. So that would be December of this year, December of 2023 is when they, they expect his time to run out. Don't love that Teddy's so close in North Carolina. <laughs> cancer or no cancer. Yeah. Would not want that man to be that close to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could go visit him if you wanted to. I don't think I will. I don't you think I'll, I'll make that. I don't think I'll make that visit. Do you think they actually let Ted have visitors? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. I mean, I maybe probably at this point, right? And he has to get his correspondence out some way. He he published a book a few years ago. Yeah, he does. And you can you can buy his books too. I think both of us actually have Ted Kaczynski's books. Yeah. No, I've Which, read them. I mean, you know, I'll say this. He's definitely a Luddite. And a Luddite is somebody who hates technology, kind of hates mm -hmm. modern society. It's kind of an interesting read it from that viewpoint of somebody who's just is very anti-technology. And yeah. I don't agree with a lot of it. I, I Some of it I thought was interesting, and maybe I do agree with some of it. But again, you don't kill people. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing about it is that you may have an argument about technology harming civilization in certain respects. He's basically like, I don't, do you call it a paleoconservative where you're just like all modern society is bad? Right. Um, and, you know, there there are certain aspects, obviously, that that are bad for us that I think we need to figure out how to, to live better with. But, yeah, it's like and then you you blow people up to get the message out. That's not great. You know, very anti-bomb podcast here. Anti-bombing podcast. And it is kind of like a wussy way out of it, right? Mm. Because, like, the brother is like, he's not a violent person. And this was the way for Ted to take out the violence of the action because he wasn't seeing it. Mm -hmm. He was putting this thing in the mail and being like, it's out of my hands now. Mm -hmm. You know, he's almost removing himself from the equation in his mind. Right. And yeah. so it is, he's kind of a wussy. He doesn't actually believe in what he's, he's not a John Brown. Yeah, I think that's a good point. He he was entirely removed from the damage that he was causing. He didn't have right. to see the aftermath. He didn't have to face the people that he was doing this to. He was just sending out bombs anonymously and then using that as leverage to get his manifesto in newspapers. Right, exactly. So I, I, I've never, again, he has some interesting ideas, but overall as a figurehead of an idea a terrible one an absolutely terrible one yeah and the other thing about buying his book too none of the money actually goes to him it goes to like non-profit uh non-profit for like victims of crimes so right. you, you actually don't have to feel bad about buying it if you are interested yeah, in like hey exactly. what what was this maniac who was sending bombs for 20 years thinking and writing down you can you can access that without you know any any moral ambiguity around the purchase which is nice yeah. <laughs> so we may not know if you can actually go visit ted but here's the important piece is that you can send him letters and Mark sent him letters for a while. Have you tried to interview him? I have. I corresponded with him for a couple of years back in 2009, 2010. And what happened? Well, I, I got some very interesting letters from him. I got some Zodiac like wording that he sent to me. And his final letter, I call it my exorcist letter because it, uh, once he found out who I was, I, I contacted him under a guise of being interested in his manifesto. And um, I, I really um, kind of sucked up to him and told him how great he was and told him everything that a narcissist and sociopath would want to hear just to continue the dialogue. But once he found out that I was studying the Zodiac case, he sent me one final nasty scathing letter which was as much anger as he could provide but it's it it rang to me of a similar tone of the the zodiac's last confirmed interesting letter. when do, when does dr hewitt release his first book 
So his first book on the Zodiac was published August 5th of 2016. So he is corresponding with Ted Kaczynski before he ever writes a book. I'm actually not sure of the exact timeline of when he started messaging Writing. Ted. Yeah. Um, no, he just said, he said 2010. Oh, then yeah, yeah. It was before he ever wrote a book. Yeah. So it was it was years before. So that's kind of that's a weird thing to do. <laughs> you, that's you a weird thing to do. You don't just casually uh start uh messaging domestic terrorists or serial killers in prison. And telling them how great they are? No, I've never done that. Not that once. honestly was one of the stranger things about this story is him reaching out to Ted and like lying about why he wanted to correspond with them. And years, <laughs> years before he writes a book. Yeah, very strange behavior. I mean, maybe it took him that long to write it, but I kind of doubt it. He was he was doing this for fun or something. Yeah, he was. And then, I mean, since 2016, he's released three books. So I don't think it takes him that long to write these. Whoa, whoa, we whoa. Okay. That's an interesting catch that I did not catch, actually. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, uh, keep going. I'm, right. uh, I'm not liking this. <laughs> I'm not. Is, is I'm, Mark making you uncomfortable? Though? I am uncomfortable by all of this. Okay. Keep going. So apparently the FBI has looked into the claim that uh, the Unabomber was the Zodiac and they, they have ruled it out. But Mark thinks that they were a little too quick to do that. And one of the biggest things is that Ted was in the area while the Zodiac was active. This was while he was professor at Berkeley. So it does match up in terms of Ted's timeline. He was there at the same time, wasn't he, in California? He was. He was indeed. Um, he taught at UC Berkeley from 67 to 69. And he was in California in 66 interviewing for his position. One the, the first canonical murder took place over the Christmas break during Kaczynski's final year as a professor. And uh, 31 days, exactly one month after that, he tendered his resignation. His final day at UC Berkeley was June the 30th, 1969. And four days later, the murder at, uh, at uh, Blue Rock Springs Park took place. Not a terribly convincing series of evidence. Well, we're just kicking things off, Chris. Okay. okay? We're All just right. kicking okay. things off. Just kicking so, it off. Just kicking off. It's certainly so, possible. He's in the area. So I know we're supposed to be waiting on the MK Ultra revelation, mm -hmm. but again, I, I know this. Yeah, I know yeah. this. I thought he was getting the MK Ultra injections in when he was in college as a student. Yeah, MK not Ultra. As, yeah. Not as a professor. Yeah, he, he was in the MKUltra program while he was at Harvard. Right. Not at Berkeley as a professor. Not at Berkeley. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so I guess the argument being that he's already in the first stages of crazy. Yeah, basically. Okay. He's already there. Okay. 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 Following. Following right. Dr. Hewitt's line of thinking on this. All right. Now, an important note here is that the, the murders by the Zodiac continued for a few years after Ted left Berkeley. But there is a gap in Ted Kaczynski's history. So that's what Mark is arguing is that he still could have been returning to the Bay Area because no one really knows where he was. Where, what he was doing in this mm -hmm. intermittent years. Yeah. Okay. So like the lost years of Jesus. Yeah, exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> he went to India. There's a two-year gap in Ted Kaczynski's life. He gave his parents' home address in Lombard, Illinois, as his mailing address, but he didn't stay there. His mother speaks of uh, regular travels that he took away from that home. He would disappear suddenly without notice. So he wasn't completely based in that location. And um, the bulk of the Zodiac murders and the bulk of the Zodiac letters took place during that two lost years of Kaczynski's life. Again, so I, I just, I just, uh, it's just okay. Kind of interesting, I guess, that we don't know what he was doing. But again, he was just like roaming Asbury Height and, uh, you know, doing at dropping acid with the CIA heads. Like, what, 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 what are we talking about here? So let's let's get more into it, right? So okay, the, the timeline is possible. 
It's possible, right? Okay. He, was, he right. was in the Bay Area when it started, and then he was technically in Illinois, but he traveled around a lot. So maybe he was, you know, taking a Greyhounds back to the Bay Area, you know, every couple months to murder someone. That's to, it's possible. To, right. Yeah. Instead of, uh, instead of, you know, all the people around him in a closer area, he was going to take the 48-hour bus <laughs> ride to California to murder somebody and then take a 48 hour bus ride back to Indiana. Cause those bus rides last forever. Do you know how many stops they would have to take between that on one of those buses back in the day? This is insane, dude. What is Dr. Hewitt talking about? So let's see what else we got, right? What other evidence do we have? And what specifically Mark, do you think was the cause for you to believe that Kaczynski is the Zodiac killer. And please take note that George has asked what the, the thing is that drove him to think Ted's the Zodiac. He asked this like five times on this interview. It's like he kept forgetting he asked the question. Right. But, <laughs> but this is supposed to be the money shot, right? It's, it's supposed to be. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. Wasn't anything specific. I, in my research, gathered together evidence of six clusters of information that linked the two. I don't know if you want to go into those. Yeah, please go ahead. Sure. But the first indication, once I realized that once I thought it was a crazy idea to link the two, then I recalled, oh yeah, the Zodiac included two bomb diagrams as part of his letters. The bombs that the Unabomber created, Kaczynski as the Unabomber, were, were very distinctive. The FBI was able to identify them quite easily because they contained redundancies, such as two dowels that would go through a pipe bomb instead of the usual one, or a backup yeah, system. He was very good at what he did. He was extremely good. The two diagrams of the Zodiac bombs have either two circuits or one circuit used for two reasons with a cloudy day disconnect. So um, the intricacy appears evident in the, in the Zodiac bombs as well. Dude, I'm just going to write a book called How the Manson Family Did 9-11. <laughs> like, this is what idea. this guy is doing. Like, uh, random terrorist plus random murder. Let's squish them together. Well, Chris, what you're missing is that the Unabomber had redundancies in case one of the one of these like things failed so that the bomb would still go off and the zodiac had a wire being used for two purposes both of those have the number two in them there are two redundancies and a wire being used two ways and therefore the same person made both the bomb and the diagram of the bomb that's insane that's so insane does that make also, sense to you also i totally forgot that he also did the Tylenol poisonings. <laughs> so this guy, he, Ted Kaczynski's just trying everything. He's just like, I don't know. Let's see what works. Yeah, let's let's shoot people. Let's send bombs out. And then let's also put cyanide in Tylenol capsules. <laughs> There's a lot of different. He's all over the place with his murders. Okay, keep going. Keep all right, going. so I don't know why I'm in the position where I have to defend this man now, but I, I'm going to defend this man. Uh, so we got the bomb diagrams. Okay. We got the, the fact that Ted could have been in the area potentially. Now, here's another piece, another cluster, right? Is that both the Zodiac and the Unabomber probably really liked math. Another uh, cluster has to do with mathematics. The Zodiac was into codes. He sent four codes as part of his letters. What are codes? They're symbols to solve. And where does coding come from? It comes not from the military. It comes from within mathematics. It's symbols, symbols that need to be solved. And so it was no surprise that uh, Ted Kaczynski, as a mathematician, was very interested in coding. And as somebody who was a little bit uh, paranoid, he put a lot of his journaling into codes. And when he was arrested, they found codes in his cabin that um, the FBI said they hadn't encountered such complex codes since the uh, Cold War. Dude, this is like in the science fiction show when the scientist comes in and is like, ice cream, ice cream is cold, cold, polar, polar vortex, polarity. We got to reverse the polar polarity vortex. Yeah, yeah, that's basically every episode of Doctor Who ever is, is what you just described. Like, 
this guy is just like uh, a code is like a symbol. Symbol is like algebra where they use X equals two and two is in math and two plus two equals four. And that's a cluster for Ted Kaczynski to be the Zodiac killer. I can't believe I'm defending Ted Kaczynski here, dude. This is my, I'm so angry at you for this episode. I'm so angry. I put you in a position where you're defending the Unabomber. I have to defend the Unabomber against an insane man who thinks that he killed people in San Francisco in the 70s. The Zodiac Killer. What is going on here? When I have to report you to the FBI, I'm going to send this episode as evidence. (laughs) You're going to have to. He was just outright defending Ted. He was a big fan of Ted Kaczynski. Love Ted. And that's what you cut. Love Ted. All right, all right, all right. So, you know, I I mentioned that George asks the same question sometimes. Here's, Here's another example of him doing that. What was the most important piece of information that drove you to believe that Ted Kaczynski is the Zodiac killer? Well, that's just it. It's not one item that's... that's just an I accumulation of stuff? Thing. <laughs> Dr. Hewitt is like, did I just answer this question? Yeah, it was like five... This was five minutes after he had asked it. I think he asked the same thing again. Well, because George is like, none of this is working, dude. None of this is working. So what is the thing... That led you to believe. Well, it's not really. A, it's a cluster of things. Uh, a cl- I have a, a math cluster. I'm telling you. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the best way of going through this, though, he lists that there are six clusters, right? So it's like, okay, let's keep going through the six. Give me, you know, you've listed three so far. Let's get to number four, number five, number six. And like, let's see if, if any of them get better. And they don't get better. So <laughs> here's another cluster, Chris. They potentially liked the same book, Ted Kaczynski and uh, and the Zodiac Killer. I'll tell you one extremely important um, connection, and that is the novel Secret Agent by Joseph Conrad. To me, reading it, it's almost a guide for the Zodiac work. It contains themes, it contains individual vocabulary items, uh, phrases that almost seem to be an, an influence on the reader to be fascinated by or interested in or to actually go out and produce the Zodiac serial killer. And why is that significant? Because the secret agent is uh, reportedly Ted Kaczynski's favorite book. He wrote to his family Mm. one time that if they wanted to understand him, he was a hard person to understand, but they needed to read that book and they needed to especially take notice of a particular character, the professor within that book. And Kaczynski claimed to have read that book a dozen times. You're not, you're not convinced still? Ah, dude, this is, this is, there were a couple of, of scenes in this book that was kind of like the Zodiac Killer, and Ted Kaczynski mentions it all the time. So, uh, same thing. And this is, this is something that is interesting with, I think, some of the internet sleuthing that goes on, right? And I think it's kind of the worst parts of conspiracy thinking too, but also, the online true crime communities is just a lack of understanding about like concepts of synchronicity, where if you try to look for connections in any two things that may be completely unconnected, you can find them if you try hard enough. It's like when you buy a new car, you start seeing that car everywhere. Yeah. That's what's happening here. He's looking for evidence and it's like, because the Zodiac killer never mentions this book, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's never. It's not like mentioned in anything about the Zodiac Killer. He's made this connection in his mind. Mm-hmm. Well, Ted mentioned this book. Let me read this book to see if there's anything that can lead me to believe that this is the Zodiac Killer. And he's like, that Zodiac, that Zodiac, that Zodiac. And the, the book itself is about a spy for Russia that was written in 1907. And it's just a really smart guy. So I think Ted, you know, got into it because it's like, oh, I'm hyper intelligent and better than everyone else because he's right. a narcissist. I don't really understand how it's, a, you know, outlined for the Zodiac killing. So I would need him to go a bit deeper into that explanation because I'm not seeing it just from a top level. I don't think he can. Yeah, no, you're probably right. Um, and that's a, And that's a whole cluster. That's a whole, that's one of the clusters. Yeah. That's one cluster. Yeah. yeah. A whole cluster of, of evidence. 
George. Well, and speaking of true crime documentaries, there's a really good one called uh, Crime Scene, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel, which talks about a woman's disappearance that went viral online. And then all these like internet, you know, true crime aficionados started creating all these crazy scenarios about like how the government was involved in her disappearance and like all this stuff, um, how she was secretly drugged. And then they end up finding her like body on the roof and, and she had just like fallen into a, a vat when she had like a mental health crisis. Oh, so no. you can just weave these gigantic narratives online by looking for these connections. And it's you're just you're just playing with air in the end. You know what I mean? There's there's right. nothing to actually tie it down. Right. Back to back to Mark. Uh, George asks him like, hey, did you ever ask Ted while you were messaging with him if he did the Zodiac killings? Good question, Georgie. Did you ever, in, in your letters, ask him directly? I did not. I did not. Uh, and interestingly, once he found out that I was a Zodiac researcher and writing and editing about the case, he flashed out in anger, but he never actually denied it to me. That is also my favorite, was that he also he brings it back to that a couple times of like, well, he didn't deny it. He didn't deny he was the Zodiac. <laughs> <laughs> that is just like i never thought i would have to deny being the zodiac killer like i got a thing i yeah. got a thing i did my own thing man i did my thing well Pro it actually probably like did kind of make him a little angry because he's like because he is kind of he is a sociopath and he is a narcissist yeah yeah, stop stop trying to take away from my bombings. Yeah, right. By trying to tie me to Zodiac. I don't need that. I to don't be need prolific. that. Yeah. I am prolific by myself. And and the Tylenol poisonings. Well, don't don't give me that. Speaking of the Tylenol murders, Chris, let's get into the Tylenol murders. Is this a cluster? Is this <laughs> another cluster? I, this is this is separate from his clusters. Okay, okay. There was an additional murder that took place about 6 months earlier that thanks to a very observant doctor in Sheridan, Wyoming, he realized that one of his patients similarly died from taking extra strength Tylenol. Well, Sheridan, Wyoming is on Interstate 90, a direct route between Lincoln, Montana, where Ted Kaczynski was living in his cabin, and Lombard, Illinois, where his parents lived. So it seems like about six months prior to the Chicago Tylenol killings, Kaczynski was trying his hand at, um, at at doing that poisoning and trying to do it in a place that was far away from him and far away from Chicago. This guy just anything that he can pin on Ted Kaczynski, he's going to do it. What is this? <laughs> One more little bit on the Tylenol murders and then okay. we'll, we'll talk through it. Do you okay. think he's possibly responsible for the Tylenol killing that occurred in Chicago? I believe so. I believe it's almost certain. The Chicago Tylenol murders that took place in 1982 happened within Chicagoland. All of the locations were very close to Lombard, Illinois, which is where his parents were living at the time and where he was known to spend a lot of time. There was, and, and it resulted in the death of seven people who took extra strength Tylenol and promptly died because cyanide had been put in the capsules. So Ted does it the first time in a place far away from his home or his parents' home. And then when he decides to go real big with it, does it all around his parents' home. In both facts are evidence that Ted Kaczynski did this. Well, you see, the first one was really far away and then the rest were really close. Therefore, it was him. Therefore, it's Ted Kaczynski, George. They they pretty much know who did the Tylenol killings. Um, it's it's pretty much known by the police. It's just they haven't been able to try the guy. And there's a lot of reasons for that. There's actually a really good criminal episode about the Tylenol murders. If you want to give that a listen. But the case for the guy that they think did it is much stronger than the case for Ted Kaczynski. I'll just say that. Right. I'm sure as are all the main suspects. <laughs> For anything this guy has tried to tie on to Ted Kaczynski. And I think this is the biggest knock against Mark's hypothesis that Ted is the Zodiac killer is that he also thinks Ted is the Tylenol murder killer. Because it's like anything that happened anywhere close to an area that Ted was near. Because this wasn't even Ted's house. This was his parents' house. Right. Um, he's pitting on Ted. 
Ted has a thing. Ted has a thing. He has a bad thing that he did. The why story does is... he need? Why does he need more bad stuff? The story was already interesting enough without all this. I don't know why we're adding it in. If anything, it decreases the value because it's just like, oh, so he's just doing this stuff all the time. Oh, okay. I I don't know. It's just it makes it too wild. It it gets pretty wild. And at this point, George starts running out of questions to ask. And you can tell by the way he's approaching the conversation. He's in a prison in North Carolina now, isn't he? Correct. And uh, again, you're hearing he's got cancer. Are they rumors? That's what I've heard. That's what the rumors say. That's bad, dude. <laughs> That's not good. That's bad radio. It's it was really bad radio, to be honest. It was not it was not good, man. There were a lot of like dead air moments of him being like, "So, uh, uh Ted is uh, so he's he's in North Carolina." Yep. Okay. Okay. I know you said media criticism on Georgie, but like, dude was not giving him a lot to work with. To be fair, dude, Dr. Hewitt, not a great guest. Well, I don't know. I just feel like there were different ways of approaching this guest, especially because he gave the outline of like what we could talk about being like these six clusters. And you can dig into like, how'd you get into this? What are the six clusters? You know, you know, where could these potentially uh, be incorrect? Um, or pushing back on them, I'm like, are you just kind of pulling at threads here? Like, does this actually make sense? I think there are a lot of different ways you could approach this. That's not Georgie's approach. It's other than other than the moon landing. <laughs> unless you're a flat earther. Yeah, unless you're a plan. flat earther or you're saying that America never went to the moon, George isn't going to push back. Never will. Never will. So I'm not surprised by that. But And you're right. There probably was a way that he could like really section off each of the clusters, but we heard four of the clusters and none of them were good. I don't know if I really even particularly want to hear the other two clusters. I don't (laughs) want to know the last two. We never got to the last two. What if those were the nails in the coffin, Chris? We're like, Oh my God. (laughs) Then Dr. Hewitt would have mentioned it. He was saving them for the end. He why why to... are you defending Ted and I'm defending Mark? I don't know. This what's is going all on. insane. This is all insane, dude. I'm just so frustrated by this guy. This is bad. Yeah. This yeah. is not good stuff. Well, let's let's go into the MK Ultra part, all right? Because he also ruins this. He he doesn't think MK Ultra had anything to do with why Ted did what he did. There has been talk that he was part of uh, Project MK Ultra, the CIA's research program in the mind control yes that's been established he was is that true with, yes absolutely he was involved in a three-year study at harvard with 21 other students uh, henry murray who conducted the study received some of his funding at least some of his funding from the oss the precursor from the cia which was likely under the the branch of um uh, mk ultra and some of this, uh, the, the, the study was unethical. It would not be allowed today. It was, it was illegal. It was uh, underhanded. He got into something that he didn't know what he was getting into. But there, and there was a certain amount of brutality going on, uh, emotional abuse. Henry Murray wanted Ted Kaczynski in the study because he was the most uh, alienated student of all of the students that took part in the study. There was a wide range, some of them very well adjusted, some of them very poorly adjusted. He was the most maladjusted. He was like 16 years old when he went to Harvard. Yeah. A 16-year-old genius. Like, yeah, I bet he was an absolute outcast. And, you know, the thing about the Unabomber is that the uni part of Unabomber stands for university. Because right. he was sending bombs to universities. And I think that it does make a lot of sense that this guy who was, you know, who was a genius, he had a, you know, very impressive IQ, was in Harvard at 16, studying mathematics, and was maladjusted. And not only was he not fitting in in Harvard, being a 16-year-old, um, you know, genius, but he was also, like, psychologically tortured in a way by this professor at the university and i feel like 
that ties into a big part of why he might have wanted to bomb universities. And I think exactly. there are a lot of people who would agree with me on that. Yes. it. I mean, th- he was used up yeah. by now, a system yeah. that he, he probably believed in. Mm-hmm. At 16, dude, I had no idea how the world worked. And you just like kind of went in accepting that I'm going to be mentored. I'm going to be shown the world. I'm going to be accepted. None of that happens. He's preyed upon. They start doing experiments on him. Like, yeah, that's you totally get the motivation behind doing this. He shouldn't have bombed them. He could have like taken up a crusade and kind of like shown the world what was going on, but he didn't do that. He didn't, but you know who would disagree with us, Chris, that the MK Ultra experiments had anything to do with Ted Kaczynski's bombings? Uh, Mark, Mark does not think that had anything to do with it. Well, the MK Ultra program itself could have really destroyed him. It's possible, but other people who went through the study also said that it's kind of ridiculous that they made him a serial killer. That that can't be the only thing that took place that uh, was involved in that. Even Ted said at most it was unpleasant, maybe one of the most unpleasant things he went through, but it it certainly didn't make him mentally ill. So I kind of, I do kind of agree that it wasn't the only thing that led him to start sending bombs, but it certainly didn't help. And that's the thing that, you know, kind of annoyed me about it was that Mark didn't seem to give any credence to the fact that this played a role in a lot of um, the discussions around it. But I, I think it, it did play a role, you know, it like you said, it, it isn't the only factor, but it certainly did not help. It certainly right. made it worse and made his, his experiences at the university worse. And when I think you combine that with a genius narcissist sociopath who already doesn't fit in, he, his hatred of society only grows after this. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Which and then, then leads to him building a cabin and sending out bombs across the country. Well, and then you start adding this, forced isolation and some Mm -hmm. of it is especially post him leaving the university system it is a self-imposed isolation but over decades dude that's that's just going to drive anybody insane yeah and you know maybe it's not great to live in like a you know 15 by 15 foot cabin by yourself in the woods and not interact with other humans maybe that's not not a good thing to do it's not healthy for for you to do that so please don't do that no i listen i love like a lot of the back to the land stuff like there's a commune kind of close to us here in virginia um just a bunch of hippies you know who have some solar panels and are farming and stuff like that very much off the grid uh which i think is cool but it's a community man it's a community it's a community and that you need that you You have to have that we talked about that with the bunker boys yeah you got to have a community or this thing isn't going to work Bring your friends in. Everyone's got to get along. We all kind yeah. of agree on how we're going to run things. And maybe have some sort of democratic system involved, too. I think there's a right. lot of ways to go about the commune. You got to come up with a way for when people disagree. Mm-hmm. Or else it, it, it's going to fall apart. Or, alternatively, you just have a king. A king of the uh, the bunker. That's also yeah. an option bunker king get a little crown you know sit on throne i love that idea dude and and the king is all the way at the bottom yeah yeah he's gotta be the penthouse is all the way at the bottom the safest place the safest place in the bunker that'd be a good movie that's another great movie yeah we'll work on it (laughs) all right so we we have a caller call in about um a co-ed killing that occurred um, around the same time as the Zodiac murders. And the caller is wondering, hey, do you think that Ted Kaczynski could have also done these? Almost certainly, Paul. <laughs> I wanted to ask your guest. Um, there was a co-ed that was killed in California before, I believe, the official Zodiac killings began. And a lot of people think he was involved in that. I think she was uh, attending a university in California. Uh, Sherry Jo Bates was uh, killed in 1966. Uh, long suspected Zodiac victim. I'm convinced that the Zodiac almost certainly is responsible for her murder. Uh, follow-up letters uh, following that uh, murder can be connected to later Zodiac letters. And Ted Kaczynski was in California in 1966. 
Talking about talk about an assist, dude, by the caller. What the heck? Yeah. I mean, it was almost like Mark had that guy call. Like, here's a list of questions of Dords doesn't ask. Make sure you ask him. <laughs> and uh, Ted definitely did it. <laughs> I am certain that Ted did it. Oh my gosh, dude, Doctor Hewitt, what the f? Well, that was our uh, was the Unabomber actually the Zodiac episode. Uh, Chris, on a scale of uh, one to five MK Ultra programs, what do you give Mark Hewitt's theory um, that uh, that Ted Kaczynski was the Zodiac and the Tylenol murder? Paul, I've only given this one other time, but I'm giving Dr. Hewitt a sucks. That sucked. That dude sucks, dude. What is this? Who needed this? Who asked for this? Oh, goodness. Well, and here's the thing, Chris, is that this is a lot of coasts nowadays. This is a lot of what's on the air. I know we do a lot of the Art Bell stuff. I try to pick out some of the better ones, like the Ian Punnett's and some of the better George Norris. This is what a lot of the episodes are. This guy did three books mm-hmm. and that's all he can give us. Yeah. Was four BS clusters. I know there's six. I don't want to hear the other two. I really want to know the other two. I really want to know what they are. I don't care at all, dude. This guy, I don't want to ever hear anything by Dr. Hewitt ever again. This is not, no good. You're not going to pick up any of his three books. No good. That's a bummer. I'm sorry. I don't. I'm not typically like this, but like, I don't, I don't like true crime stuff in the first place. Yeah. I, I already feel like a lot of true crime is like digging through people's bones. It's desecrating Mm -hmm. the memory of these victims. And like, you could be like, well, we're doing victim or, you know, and like the unsolved crime stuff, there is some cool stuff there, whatever. But like, sometimes it's too much. And this is too much, dude. This is the this is definitely the part of true crime I absolutely hate. This like kind of like theorizing and stuff that we talked about a little bit. Like Ted Kaczynski did plenty of bad stuff that you can talk about. Let's just talk about that. Not this made up crap. Yeah, and I, I think this is like you said, where the, it starts going a little overboard because I think there there have been a lot of like retired cops who have tried to, you know, solve the Zodiac killings. And I think that their heart's definitely in the good place. Like this has been an unsolved murder for a really long time. Right. And people want to know who did it. And I think, um, you know, obviously it would be a very good thing if we could figure that out. I don't think this is getting us closer to answering the question of who is behind Zodiac. I really don't. Um, I think the best chance that we had was getting DNA off of those stamps and running it against the databases, but it does not seem like anything came of that process. So this is going to be something that stays unsolved. Um, Much like Jack the Ripper, which people are still involved in Jack the Ripper online, still trying to figure out who did the Jack the Ripper killings. And it's like, we're never going to know at this point. Um, There's never going to be any answers. There's never going to be an answer to the Zodiac anymore. Unless someone comes forward and says, I did it, but short of that. Right, right. Yeah. Now, uh, th- that that person is dead decades ago probably yeah very like very likely um so i'm going to give this a one out of five mk ultra programs chris um didn't convince me i think uh you know there could be better ways of spending your time uh for for mark but you know i'm glad that he found something to do in what i'm assuming is, is his retirement so at least he's having some fun I'd rather talk about the Say Rays agenda or the the Astral Dreamscape Adjustment Bureau, dude. Like those dudes had more evidence than this guy, and all these people are real. All this yeah. stuff actually happened, and these fake things have more evidence than this man, Doctor Hewitt, had for real life events that took place. I think what we we need to do actually, Chris, is do an old George Nori episode from like the early 2000s. And that way you can kind of see what George used to be like, because people, you know, throw a lot of shade at George um, for how he is currently. I do think that he used to be a lot better. Um, I think he has just gotten old. Never meet your heroes. Right. And we're we're in the eight when you're 80 years old, dude. Like, what are you supposed to do? Well, and his contract has also been extended uh, through this decade. So through late um, 20s, he will still be the host for sure. 
George is going to be 90 years old doing coast to coast AM. Are you kidding me? I think he's going to do it legitimately until he dies. Until he dies. I, I think he's going to have a, a heart attack on air is how this is going to end. What are he's they going to do after? I I don't know. I don't know if they, I don't know if they have anyone else who would, who would fill his shoes, you know? Um, I think Ian would do a great job at, at taking over, but I don't think Ian wants to. Ian just does, you know, one weekend a month. Ian would also completely change what the show is. It would be very different, yeah. And so. we wouldn't be able to do an analysis show anymore on Ian's yeah. show. Probably. That's why we don't do as many Ian shows. <laughs> it's because yeah. it's like, yeah, right. well, that sounds uh, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> this is all real information. Yeah. This is all good stuff. All right, what are we going to say about it? This is all history the, uh, yeah. backed up by facts. Um, well, that was our episode with Dr. Mark Hewitt's Hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with more next week. And once again, you can support us on Patreon. Link is in the show notes. And thank you for listening. All conspiracy, all the time. Later.